I'm Nicola Kelly, and this is Silenced, a podcast from human rights organisation Article 19. In each episode of this series, we'll hear the stories of journalists and activists around the world whose governments attempt to rein them in and cover up the truth. Mexico consistently ranks as one of the most difficult places in the world to report from, with journalists frequently attacked, imprisoned and, as in the case of Sergio Aguayo, sued for exercising the right to free speech. It all started in 2016, when Sergio, a renowned academic and journalist, wrote an opinion piece accusing former Coahuila state governor Humberto Morera of corruption. In a case that rumbled on for more than six years, Sergio was ordered to pay 10 million pesos, that's more than half a million dollars, to Morera, who said the piece had damaged his honour. During that time, Sergio experienced multiple threats and intimidation and has had to live under full police protection since. Here he describes the impact of the lawsuit on his personal and professional life, the outcome of the Morera case, and the judicial harassment he continues to face. most dangerous place in the world for journalists to work other than in a conflict zone is Mexico. Tonight, more bloodshed in Mexico. Another journalist killed this week in the country. This month alone, three journalists have been murdered. More are missing. Five reporters have now been killed there less than two months into the new year. I'm here with a lot of grief because more than 100 journalists have been murdered in the last couple of years. What's happening here in Mexico can be described as a war on truth. Only one side has AK-47 machine guns while the other is holding a notepad. Uh, let me remember how it all began. Well, actually, in January 2016, I was in Mexico preparing for my column. I write a weekly column for a Mexican newspaper, and uh, it is published every Wednesday since 1984. I have been writing that column, and I remember that day... En ex gobernador del estado de Coahuila, Humberto Moreira. Agentes anticorrupción lo detuvieron en el aeropuerto de Barajas, en Madrid. El arresto estaría relacionado con una investigación por corrupción. I read in the news that the former governor of the state of Coahuila had been detained in Madrid, Spain, accused of a number of crimes, I mean, very heavy stuff, links with organized crime and money laundering and uh, stealing public funds. ¿Y quién fue mencionado por la revista Forbes como una de las 10 personas más corruptas en México? I say, well, this is a good topic because this, this character was also, had also been an associate, a very close associate of the Mexican president at the time, Enrique Peña Nieto. So I said, this is, this is a good topic. Uh, I start to prepare and uh, I am a scholar that loves journalism. I have been uh, in media, public media, for the last 50 years. I was educated at the Colegio de México and at uh, Johns Hopkins University. Therefore, my standards about uh, having the information to write 
the facts to sustain the argument is, is fundamental. So what I did was I asked one assistant to gather all the relevant information about the case. I make some phone calls to Madrid. And you know, a good journalist have good sources everywhere. <laughs> so I found somebody who gave me the legal document used by the Spanish police to detain Humberto Moreira. And there I saw that he was indeed accused of very heavy crimes. So I wrote the column, but I was careful because, I mean, I grew up in authoritarianism under authoritarian rule. Therefore, I know you must be careful with these people because you never know what they are going to do. I published a piece that was not very aggressive. My language tends to be very careful. The time passed by. In March of 2016, by the way, I am an expert on violence, political and criminal violence. I signed a memorandum of understanding with the government of Coahuila, with the brother of Humberto Moreira, by the way, who was the governor, to study some massacres in the state of Coahuila. And I think that was the reason why he decided to sue me. I mean, because uh, in July 2016, I was informed by another journalist who had very good sources on the judicial branch that I had been legally sued by former governor Humberto Moreira. Ordenó pagar 10 millones de pesos. And that he demanded uh, half a million dollars, more or less, 10 million pesos. Para reparar el daño a la incólume imagen de Humberto Moreira. ¿Se acuerdan de Humberto Moreira? Because he argued that uh, his honor has been damaged by my peace. But that was six months after the issue. So my explanation had always been that he didn't want me to do research on organized crime for the years when he was the governor, because I presume that uh, he was afraid that I could uh, find some evidence that he had some relation with organized crime in the state of Coahuila. It was personally a very difficult experience because, of course, I am middle class. I mean, my family was, the countryside was peasant, but I did a study and good universities, and uh, I have a good life. I was able to provide a solid education to my two kids, and my wife also. She was a pioneer in the sense that she created a literary agency that sold the columns written by opinion writers like me. So we were able to accumulate an apartment and a house in the countryside. But I have always had the temptation to get involved in dangerous fields. Therefore, uh, I have had problems in the past in the sense that uh, for defending human rights and democracy, I have received six death threats along my professional life. And I have lived with police protection uh, in different moments. Therefore, this was, uh, at the time, my family reacted with extreme concern. 
because uh, I was facing the Mexico civil legal system that was doing what uh, former Governor Moreira wanted. Uh, once I was uh, giving a conference in the Netherlands, and I received the news that I had to make a deposit of $20,000 and $10,000 at that time. Then uh, in 2020, I also received that uh, I had to make a deposit of $20,000 if not my apartment would be impounded. Therefore, that was, it was a constant harassment. And my wife was very concerned, of course, and my children. They were concerned because uh, former Governor Moreira had a very bad reputation. I mean, as a corrupt politician as, and as someone that has links with organized crime. And they were more concerned when the federal government uh, suggested that I accept police protection, and I have police protection now. So it's very hard for normal people to explain the consequences of living under the protection of a group of bodyguards. They are part of our family in a way now, but I mean, if you go to dinner with friends, I mean, you arrive with protection and so it was, it was difficult, especially because I knew that I was facing extremely powerful people. And I tend to exercise my freedom of expression to the limit. Therefore, I criticize the president openly. El día que ustedes estén dispuestos a pelear por su dignidad, ese día empezarán a cambiarnos. I am not shy. And that uh, always uh, has created concerns for my children. As a matter of fact, my children left Mexico because they didn't want to live under the fear created by uh, extreme violence. And the situation has deteriorated. I mean, it, is, it has not always been like this, but they have been out of Mexico for the last 15 years. So I grew up in violence, in political violence, in my hometown of Guadalajara, and I had to leave my hometown because I received the threats. Therefore, I am used to that. I mean, I don't like it, but I know what it's like. But uh, it is very difficult to explain how to manage fear. I am 75 years old and I have been involved in the defense of my rights for the last 60 years. My first demonstration, uh, I participated in 1963, when I was 16 years old. And it ended in a street fight, very violent street fight. So, and I also learned how to survive. And in, in these kind of struggles, you have to live with the problem and not let the problem overwhelm your existence, but you have to go day by day I knew from the beginning that I had to win the battle of the story, the storyline. I have to impose the storyline. And I did that from the beginning. Therefore, it was a question of letting uh, the lawyers do their job. But I know that you must devote time because you cannot let the lawyers do what they want. You must supervise them. You must be constantly reading the text they are preparing to make suggestions on, or to recommend this or that. And uh, 
It has been a long, long struggle, and it still continues. Mexican civil society is not as strong as it is in England or the U.S. or Canada. Therefore, journalism, independent journalists, had been always, for the last century, had been at the forefront, in the trenches, in the defense of fundamental rights. Therefore, uh, there is a direct and constant confrontation with the powerful, be that uh, politicians, entrepreneurs, or criminals. You are forced to challenge them all all the time. And uh, the reaction tends to be very heavy-handed. But it depends. I mean, in the case of the use of the legal system to harass journalists, it has been increasing its popularity. In 2015, something like that, there were two or three legal suits. According to Article 19, now there are 35, 40. So it is growing. And as far as I know, yes, in some cases, they succeed in making the journalists stop writing, stop researching. Because at the end, when you are in front of the tribunals, in many cases, you are left alone. And it is very, very expensive to go to court. Extremely expensive. And the lawyers, the pro bono lawyers, tell me that the, the cost of their legal advice has been about $1 million. They are not charging for that, but that would have been the legal cost. So you can imagine that I, the legal fees would have been the double of the amount demanded by Mr. Moreira. I am the president of a legal um, team that gives free advice to journalists that are uh, sued. And I have done that before I was brought to court because I understand that it is very fundamental for uh, the survival of democracy in Mexico. Mexico is the second most dangerous country in the world for the exercise of journalism. A normal journalist uh, with his or her salary has a serious problem to face a legal suit. Many countries have problems with corruption, including the United States. But when you have those volumes of money that are associated with the drug traffic coming through a a still developing country like Mexico, it does create enormous distortions in the system. I have the privilege of all the knowledge I have accumulated about the Mexican legal system in the last five years and a half. So what I have learned is that uh, Mr. Moreira, he found, let's say, a friendly judge that was willing to take that legal sue, even if didn't have the merits. Therefore, what happened in the last five years and a half is that I have been dealing with a legal demand from a very powerful, very rich politician that wanted to punish me because I was looking around his state, and he has had the privilege of friendly judges in the Mexico City legal system, because we live in a sort of a legal schizophrenia in which the federal legal system tends to be more professional, more honest, 
whereas the legal systems of the states tend to be uh, willing to listen with uh, a lot of attention to what the powerful wants and bend to their desires. And as a matter of fact, if my judicial experience extended for so long was because Humberto Moreira had the benefit of judges that did what his lawyers demanded. And that has been a nightmare. The lawyers of Humberto Moreira use all the legal tricks in the book in order to punish me, to erode my willingness to fight. Because it was a very long, expensive process. Some days I was so tired about the time I had to devote to this case. But I, I also knew what was at stake. Therefore, I continue because I have the solidarity of thousands upon thousands of people that gave me the support in many, in many ways. So it became a very important case for the Mexican legal system and for the exercise of journalism because in the last years, the use of the legal uh, instruments to punish journalists have extended dramatically because the powerful have found that it is for them a very cheap way to intimidate, to silence, to harass, to erode the will to fight or the will to disseminate the truth. In Mexico, when you kill a journalist, nothing happens. That's because more than 50% of these attacks are committed by state agents and the state is unwilling to investigate itself. The authorities try to justify themselves by saying that these attacks against the press are just collateral damage given the violence this country suffers. And in that sense, I have learned what is the schizophrenia that the Mexican legal system has and that this is a very heavy burden for the exercise of democracy and the freedom of expression. It was in Spain, but I knew that it was coming because I had uh, had the time to visit uh, the five judges of the Supreme Court that were going to decide about my case. In, in Mexico, there is a tradition in the legal system. If you go to the office of a judge that is seeing your case and you wait in uh, his office, he has the duty to receive you. That's a tradition. I mean, it is not written. But you must know when to go. And uh, I received the solidarity of uh, personnel from the Supreme Court that advised me when it was the best moment for me to be present, when I had the best possibility to be received. So they let me know that the best time to see the fifth judge was on March the 2nd. I went there, I spoke with the judge uh, at 2 o'clock, and I left the, his office around 3 o'clock. Then I went direct from the Supreme Court to the airport. And after that, when I arrived in Madrid, I was in constant communication with the people inside the Supreme Court that were telling me what was going on. So, I mean, they were not the judges, I mean, but, you know, the informal networks. At the end, I knew that it was a positive uh, ruling. Finally, I was informed that I have won by unanimous votes of the judges, an unanimous rule. 
But I kept very clear that I cannot uh, just retreat to my apartment and rest in peace for the rest of my life. Because I believe we, I have a responsibility to do whatever I can to defend journalism and the freedom of expression in Mexico, because that's necessary. I continue to believe in that. I mean, even in all these years, I knew that it was not about me, that it had to do with something more profound. And I'm a very good researcher. I can dig the facts from the bottom of the ocean, if necessary. And that makes me somewhat dangerous, because... Uh, when you are able to support your writing with solid information, then you become a very dangerous people for those in power. It is, it is a struggle. You must fight every day to find the facts, to write as well as possible. And I mean, it is every week I have to send a newspaper. Every week I am in a radio and TV talk shows and two. So I have three moments during the week that I have to give my opinions. I am very aware that I have to be very professional, very serious about chasing the facts, presenting them in an attractive way, and be willing to face the consequences if you make a mistake and recognize, well, I'm sorry, I apologize, I was wrong. Or to say, no, I was not wrong. As in the case of Moreira, you were in jail, you were accused of corruption, of uh, money laundering, of links with organized crime. Therefore, you deserve what I wrote about you. It was not me, it was you. Now, you sue me because for your own reasons, and uh, we went to courts, and uh, I won. And that's a fact. I mean, do whatever you want, but I won. Legally, I won. That fight. Silence is hosted by me, Nicola Kelly. Original music is by Julian Wharton, and sound design is by Rick Morris. Thanks to Sergio Aguayo for speaking to me. You can listen to other episodes from the series in our back catalogue, which includes stories from Matthew Caruana Galizia, Iadel Baghdadi, and Olga Tokayuk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>